0: I invite you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. Uh, we'll be walking through portions of chapters 1 and 2. Uh, we begin this morning a, a new series on the book of Exodus and following the life of Moses, God's people. And we'll be soaking in the theme, uh, the Bible's theme, uh, which is from slavery to freedom. We today have been enslaved by sin and its effects. We are now free in Christ to follow, to obey. To love, to serve, enslaved to death, we are freed in the death of our Deliverer to live with Him forevermore. The theme of the Bible is clear in many places that God is taking His people from slavery to freedom, and we as people are to follow our head who is Jesus Christ. We, His body, will share in the fellowship of His sufferings. We will partake also then of His resurrection glory. But before we see Christ appear in space and time and history on this earth, God raised up another deliverer named by his name is Moses. And for the next few weeks and months, we're going to be following our Moses, who is God's deliverer in order that we might see Jesus Christ more clearly. So to that end, would you join me with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word, which is living and active, and as we come to this portion of your holy scriptures, would you grant us patience to read slowly. Grant us eyes and hearts that are open to to see and and to receive, ears that would hear what you have for us. Leave us not into our own devices, nor leave us unchanged, but conform us more into the image of your dear Son, from one degree of glory into the next. It's in his name we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. So we're in the book of Exodus now for a little while here. Uh, to bring us to that point, I just want years years ago, uh, Rich Mullins, singer songwriter, passed away in an untimely death. And what happened was years following that untimely death, his band was named the Ragamuffin Band. They had taken these old scratchy cassette tape recordings of his, Rich Mullins's last album, and they completed a project that he had not finished, and then they produced it, and it's called the Jesus Record. The central song in that album is titled, My Deliverer. It sings the themes of our book of Exodus, so if you go and Google it now, you'll you'll hear those themes. Well, don't don't Google it now. (laughs) Um, But the theme throughout is that, My Deliverer is coming. My Deliverer is standing by. My Deliverer is coming. My Deliverer is standing by. By. And what's brilliant about it, key insight to that song, is that, 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 that Rich Molds was recognizing that Jesus is reliving the lives of, of Moses and of Israel. What happened to them is happening to Jesus. And all of that, what happened to Moses and Israel, was pointing to Jesus, another deliverer, a final deliverer. Now, if you did summarize, this is a fun game, if you try to summarize the Bible in one word, you might be hard-pressed to find something different or better than deliverer. Deliverance is at the very heart of the biblical story. Moving God's people from slavery to freedom. The archetypal story, of course, is here in the book of Exodus. Transitioning, transforming people from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's own Son, who is our deliverer. So, we come to the book of Exodus. The title Exodus, it means a a going out, uh, a departure, if you get to the Hebrew Scriptures and you read it, there, there's a tame title It's just called names. Names. Well, that's because that's one of the first words that appears. Look at verse 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. It might be a tame title, but it indicates something, that God is acting in space and time. That God works in history. That God is, in fact, the God of history. From chapter 1, verse 1, we are established in history of God's deliverance of a particular people, had a particular geography, and a particular time. Exodus, at its most basic theme, is showing that God works in history, working out all things for His glory and the deliverance of His people. So throughout history, God's people have been singing that God is faithful to deliver His people. They've been singing... Our deliverer is coming. Our deliverer is standing by. God works in space and time, and we see that in part because the story we're entering into is connected to the stories that have come before, in the book of Genesis. Genesis sets up patterns of God's deliverance, and we see those repeated in the life of Moses and of God's people, Israel. There were sons of Israel and and sons of Jacob throughout the book of Genesis. So verse 5 summarizes it this way. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. In just a few short verses, uh, the writer here is summarizing all of the book of Genesis and saying that God has delivered his people in the past. In fact, verses 2 through 5 Is basically a summary of all of Genesis 46. So there's a connection here. Even as we we read the beginning of the book of Exodus, there's an and, actually, that comes in the text. There's a a connection to what's happened before, which then indicates this. What's happened before and the way that God works in history, God's going to do again. What happened to Joseph, for instance, is what will happen to Moses. And what happens to Moses is, incidentally, what will happen to Israel. Ultimately, this follows until we see it happening to Jesus Christ, the true and final deliverer. So, this morning's sermon is going to be a lot of the themes that arise. And one of the main themes that we see is that God's pattern of deliverance is by delivering his own uh, son as a deliverer. Joseph was raised up by God to deliver his people. He endured abuse from his own people. He was held captive unjustly. And yet he was made rich by his captors before leading his people to freedom. Was that Joseph or Moses? Or was that Israel? Who did that happen to, right? It's happening time and again. Verse 8, though, indicates hey, not all is well. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. This is the first indication in the book so far that not all is well, Joseph is forgotten. His deliverance, not only of God's people, but of Egypt and the nations, is forgotten. Descendants now are in Egypt, and they are enslaved to a new king or a pharaoh. But we know from Jacob, we know from Joseph, that God is faithful to deliver. And He will deliver with His covenant faithfulness, which looks a lot like a new creation, verse 7. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. We have this throughout Scripture, themes of new creation. And God's deliverance into a new creation is the way that He works throughout history. He he, he delivers by creating a new creation. Verse 7, you could almost just read back to the beginning of Genesis where you hear God's command to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That's exactly what is happening with his people as we turn the book of Exodus. See, God is acting in his covenant faithfulness. And what that means is God is taking hold of the things that he's created. And we see that throughout Genesis. And now we get to the beginning of Exodus and we see in God's covenant faithfulness, once he takes hold of his creation, he begins to. Apart, And that is the experience of the Israelites enslaved in Egypt. At the beginning of Exodus, we see God having taken hold of his people. He's now tearing them, dividing them in order to multiply them. As the heavens were divided, separated from above and below, the, the land divided and separated from the water, so God takes hold of his creation and begins to tear it apart in order to grow it more glorious as a new creation. The biblical witness is that God's covenant actions, where He takes hold of His creation and tears it apart, that's a promise that He will create something new and more glorious with it. So, another theme throughout the book of Exodus is that God delivers through a new creation. And it's hinted at at least, at the very least here in chapter 1. But in the midst of this new creation, or prior to the fullness of that formation, God's enemies are seeking to undo God's creation. Look at verses 8 and following. There arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph, and he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many, too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape. From the land. See, the the enemies of God are trying to undo his good creative work. This new king or Pharaoh in Egypt seeks to undo God's creation. He's disobeying God's command to be fruitful, to multiply, to spread out throughout the earth. And what he wants to do instead is to shrink or minimize God's people, to limit their dominion in the world. And that reminds us, I think, of another story in the Bible where a people tried to not spread out or divide and multiply, but they tried to just hunker down over a tower. The Tower of Babel was simply that. Rather than multiplying, obedient to God's command to be fruitful, the people there sought in their pride to make a name for themselves and to stay put, becoming a god and rule unto themselves. And so it is with Pharaoh. He is a god and a rule unto himself and to his people. And this is how sin works in all of us. The picture here of Pharaoh, this king, seeking to undo God's good creative work is the image of what sin truly is. And yet in the midst of it, God's people still flourish. Look at verse 12. But the more they, that's the Israelites, were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. And throughout Scripture, you see this time and again. God's faithfulness leads to a flourishing in the face of oppression. We always think when the weather's right, then we'll flourish. When the seasons are right, then we'll flourish. The biblical witness is that in the midst of oppression, God grows and flourishes his people. And this is in the midst of much hard work. In fact, verse 14 says, Lists it seven times, a reference to hard work or hard labor. There's a ruthlessness of what is being asked of these people. And yet, the more burdens, the more the oppression increases, the people of God multiply. They grow. They flourish. That's what we saw in Genesis as well. Abraham was oppressed by Abimelech, and yet Abraham grew and grew. Same thing with Isaac and a different Abimelech. They all grew and flourished under the oppression. Think of Jacob with Laban, oppressed for year after year after year, and yet he continued to flourish, to grow. His camp would multiply. God is faithful to bring about a flourishing in the face of great oppression. Of course, the cross is the ultimate example of this, right? Where that the, the, the death was designed to demolish the covenant and the seed of Eve, and yet in that dying, life was one. So there's got to be some encouragement in this theme for us who follow Jesus, who walk as the body of Christ. It should be a, a call, at least a, a cry out for the saints in Christ to carry on in hope. To continue to walk whatever would come trusting that God works out all things together for good of His people, those who are called according to His purposes. If indeed the church is built on the blood of the martyrs, well, that's because it was the path of our Savior. And so the life of Moses in the book of Exodus, I think what it calls out to those who follow Jesus is that continue to trust, even when things look bleak, and to walk faithfully, because God is faithful to deliver His people. And he will often deliver in quite unexpected ways. I mean, look at what the Israelites are facing in verses 15 and 16. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah, the other Puah, When you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. If it is a daughter, she shall live. And that wasn't quite enough, so go down to verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast. Into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. And yet God remains faithful to deliver his people through the offspring or the seed of the woman. See, Pharaoh is threatening the sons of Israel, first through the midwives at birth, but then after that, when that wasn't working, by casting them into the waters of judgment. Think about what the first plague is on Pharaoh. His command to his people is to to cast sons of the Hebrews, to cast their blood upon the waters. And what's the first plague that God gives them but to turn the Nile to blood? And what's the last plague that God gives them? The sons will die unless they are covered by the blood of God's deliverer. So we see that this God is working uh, justice and judgment upon these people by turning their own plans upon their own heads. God is judged to deliver His people, and in that deliverance of His people, He will condemn the wicked through His deliverer. Though this was not so obvious here, it takes time. We have to be patient and wait and trust. So the central theme here that we're going to be seeing here throughout the book of Exodus is this. What happens to Moses will happen to Israel. So I just want to say, Pastor Dave and I, you're going to get tired of us saying that, but that's okay. What happens to Moses is going to be happening to Israel. So we're going to look for uh, uh, themes or echoes of of Moses in the life of Israel, and we're going to look for echoes of Israel in the life of, of Moses here. And the reason of it, as the head goes, so goes the body. That's the theme we've hit on to. As the head goes, so goes the body. Moses is being raised up as a deliverer of God's people. Whatever happens to the head of God's people will happen to the body. Okay? So that's a theme. You'll get tired of us saying it, but we're going to keep saying it. This, st- this story here, it, it, this, where there's names at the beginning and then there's a slaughtering of innocent children, it sounds a lot like some gospel narratives, doesn't it? Which is what was read for us here. What happens to Moses will happen to Israel is what happens to Jesus as well. Exodus is a story of God being faithful to deliver his people. God works in space and time. He is the God of history, working to create a new people as a new creation, but that requires them passing through the waters of judgment, through suffering and oppression. Yet God remains faithful to, to give a deliverer. And that deliverer comes in these strange and unexpected ways. Look at verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. seems kind of innocuous here as an intro here. But, but look, God is raising up a deliverer who is going to be a priest and a prophet in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, we have the names Amram and Jochebed. That's Moses' mom, who is a daughter of Levi, and it's his dad as well. They're both of a priestly tribe, which indicates right up front that Moses, this deliverer, is being raised up as some kind of a priest. And what's a priest? A servant. A servant in a house, a servant in God's house, serving God's people. And so we see deliverance is not just to be uh, freedom from oppression, it's, it's, it's freedom for something. We'll see that time and again. There is freedom from oppression, but it's freedom to worship God. So God raises up a priest who will uh, serve God and his people, but it's not just enough to be a priest. God will raise up a prophet who will give the word of God to God's people as well. So God is raising up a deliverer who is a prophet, priest. And we'll see as we pay attention to the the words in the first part of chapter 2 here, the language, we'll see that he raises up a a new Noah as well. Verse 2 and 3. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket, made of bulrushes, and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds in the river bank. There's a new Noah being born here, God's deliverer in the form of a new Noah. I mean, as we read these verses, it may not be quite as clear at at first, but these verses help us to think about a story that that Moses' mom and and sister Miriam would have been familiar with, the story of Noah and the flood. See, our texts in, in the English translation say that Moses was placed in a basket, right? You guys probably have basket or something like that there. The word for that basket is actually the word ark. And it's not like the Ark of the Covenant. It's a different word. The only other time the word Ark here is used in the Bible, the only other time is Noah's Ark. It's the only other time that word comes up. And so right away we have the the reader of this is to to be hearing, okay, there's another Ark. Where is this Ark being cast upon? Well, there's waters of judgment. And the Ark is cast upon the waters of judgment to what? To, To allow God's deliverer to live. But not only that, look at where, what's, what is being done to the ark or this basket here. This ark is being covered, coated with bitumen and pitch. And it's the same language of what Noah was to do to the ark. God is saving his people from drowning in the waters of judgment by providing the ark as a way of salvation, providing a way through his deliverer who is born and who is being raised up now. Verses 4 through 7. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her servant woman, and she took it. She opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him. The deliverer is the head, the body will follow. This must be Miriam, Moses' sister, watching what's unfolding here. And this is a scene that will be repeated by the sons of Israel within a very short time. As Moses goes, so goes Israel. The body will follow the head. Again, the the ark is on the waters of judgment or in the waters of judgment, and yet the deliverer is born safely through it. And this anticipates the future deliverance as Moses passes through another body of water, which is another water of judgment. See, this ark is placed on what? This, this water where there's reeds around it. And of course, Israel will soon pass through the Reed Sea or the Red Sea. There's, there's imagery here that ha- as Moses is being delivered from the waters of judgment, so Israel, God's people, will be delivered as they follow their head through the Red or the Reed Sea, the Sea of Reeds. And s- this child is crying here in the same way, the children of Israel will soon be crying out to their God to deliver them from their oppressors. And as God delivers Moses, so he will deliver his people. And then we see that the Egyptian oppressors are the ones who will give wealth to God's people, not only freeing them, but giving them riches that they might flourish in their new fought freedom. Verse 8, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, "Go." So the girl went and called the child's mother, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. It could be a dream of every new mother. It's a lot of work and a lot, lot of sleep. If you could get paid for that, that'd be great. And this is what happens to Moses and his mom. God causes his people to flourish through their oppressors from Abraham and Abimelech to Jacob and Laban. We see it in the life of Daniel and the Israelites where Cyrus provides for them, where in the book of Acts, Rome is continually protecting God's people. And as Moses leads the Israelites from bondage to freedom, their oppressors will give them gold and silver and riches as they go out into the wilderness to worship their God. God is expanding his kingdom with the riches of the nations. From bondage to freedom, the main theme of the book of Exodus, and for all intents and purposes, the, 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 the main theme of the Bible, God is raising up a deliverer who's been drawn out of the water. And that's where we begin to shift to see what in heck this story has to do with us today. Jesus too was made to pass through or to be raised up from the waters of judgment. He underwent two baptisms, one at the Jordan and one at the cross. His first baptism at the Jordan, which is a shadow of Israel's passing through the Red Sea, at that baptism, he was baptized into service. Now, the second baptism that he undergoes was into death and then into life everlasting. What happens here in Exodus 1 and 2 is shown forth in a promised form. What is true of those baptized into Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be the same effect as that which of those who are born or are baptized by passing with Moses through the Red Sea. God is faithful to give His only Son in order to deliver His people. Our Deliverer is coming. Our Deliverer has come. Our Deliverer is standing by. And though Moses was raised up out of the water, pretty soon he too will be rejected by God's people. He too will know exile and abandonment. He'll be rejected. He will know exile. Meanwhile, God's people will be suffering under the slavery of a tyrant. And the Bible bears witness that they begin to conform their lives to the image of Egyptian ways. They loosen their grip on God and His way. Yet God remains faithful. He remains near soon revealing himself through fire to anoint his prophet, priest, to deliver his people. What we hear in the book of Exodus is, is Jesus' story, and our story is therefore wrapped up in his. We are encouraged because God's faithfulness is extended to us through his deliverer. And what's even more encouraging is that his faithfulness is, is extended to, to the small and the nameless ones of this passage, the midwives. They're not even given names hardly, but they they are the ones who become the heroes of the story, who protect the seed of God, who will deliver His people one day. And because of the faithfulness of these women, regardless of their risk and cost, God blessed them, delivered them, and helped them to deliver God's deliverer. So take heart in this story of Moses people of God in this exodus, as we think of Jesus as a new Moses and we participating in a new exodus. He is our deliverer, and our deliverer is a man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief. And yet God is faithful to raise him up from the tomb, to exalt this our deliverer unto his own right hand, where he now rules over all creation. So that means that we too, follow this deliverer, we will know sorrow. We will become like Moses, more and more like Jesus, as we share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And what is asked of us as his people is to trust him. As God has provided his deliverer in the past, he will provide his deliverer today. He stands by and he weeps with us. And he strengthens us and he guides us all in the midst of our failures and our sins. All the while, we are surrounded by those seeking to thwart God's way. And yet, we are asked to trust God's deliverer has come. The story gives us confidence that we can sing with God's people who have sung throughout the ages that my deliverer is coming, our deliverer is standing by. For his promises are ours in Jesus Christ, who sings over us the words of the prophets, saying, "'Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel.'" your Savior. Indeed, praise the Lord. Our Deliverer is come. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that Jesus is our Deliverer and that he has come and that he comes to us moment by moment through your Holy Spirit. So lead us, guide us, that we might serve you faithfully all of our days, renewed in covenant to worship you faithfully all of our days. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.